cardiovascular. Yeah. Yes. Quite a few things in that one. Uh, it's a little long. So, uh, as we, uh, we do that, first thing is, uh, cardiovascular system is obviously uh, pretty highly protected because any microbe that gets into it can get anywhere in the body then. And there are a few systemic infection terms we should at least mention. Uh, a viremia, obviously, is a systemic viral infection. Uh, there's fungemia, which is a systemic fungal infection, which do occur, uh, although rare. Bacteremia, systemic bacterial. And then uh, septicemia is a more generic term. Uh, now, the, the blood has a lot of defenses. It has uh, leukocytes. Normal biota should be zero. You do not expect to find any uh, uh, microbes in, in there, other than perhaps transiently as they get filtered, you know, as they're going through, but generally you would not expect to find any. Uh, and so uh, we have a lot of the immune defenses are, are part of the cardiovascular lymphatic system. All right, so we're starting off with uh, one that is uh, called endocarditis. There are a number of organisms that can cause this. Basically, the infection is on the, the valves in the heart. That's usually where they occur, although they can occur on the lining of the heart, but normally it's the valves. Uh, fever, anemia, you get abnormal heartbeat. Uh, sometimes people feel like they're having a heart attack. Uh, petechia may be present because the blood doesn't uh, flow as it should, uh, sometimes in large spleen. So this is a, yes, those are the little broken blood vessels under the, under the skin. And so this is a, an echocardiogram uh, showing uh, that this is the heart, this is one valve, this is looking at, and there's the other, there's over on the other side. And here you can see a small mass right here on the valve, or along the valve, and that would be a sign that that would be endocarditis. Okay. Um, here is uh, obviously somebody who didn't make it, uh, but you can see all of this on the, 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 the uh, the valves, all this tissue, this is all infected uh, growth on Now, what causes it? Well, lots. Uh, Staph aureus again, of course, uh, you see, keep seeing that. Uh, strep pyogenes, uh, uh, strep pneumonia, Neisseria, gonorrhea, but there are others. Uh, uh, so that's for the more serious type. Uh, prevention is, uh, you, well, you have to keep microbes out of the blood. I mean, that's uh, how you start it. Treatment is uh, penicillin, vancomycin, or surgery, uh, depending on how serious. Uh, acute onset, fairly high fatality rate from that. Uh, now, there are types of less acute endocarditis, uh, usually different organisms, and uh, just has a slower onset probably more easily treated. So endocarditis is our first candidate of the night. Okay, now septicemias occur when organisms are actively multiplying, actively dividing within the blood itself. Uh, the most uh, symptom that generally shows from this is, is a fever, uh, altered, you know, you may have shaking, you may have chills, alternating chills, uh, fever, uh, can affect breathing rate, respiratory, uh, and the blood pressure usually is low when this occurs. Uh, these can be any bacterium or fun fungus. Now, remember we said if it's a bacterium, we could also call it a bacteremia, if it's a fungus, it could be a fungemia, and so on. Um, but basically, a septicemia is when the organisms are actively dividing in the bloodstream itself. And so, um, Neisseria meningitides can also can cause this. This is the most uh, lethal portion of that if, if it develops. And that's when the organism gets into the blood, it's dividing in the blood, it causes and, and it causes those problems, and then it's usually referred to as a septicemic uh, uh, meningitis. Okay. So that's a pretty generic term. Uh, you know, in terms of what would cause it, uh, it could be any number of organisms. Treatment is generally, um, you throw a broad spectrum antibiotic at it until you know better 
then something else is going to be better to you to basically until you identify what the cause is. Okay, um, this one could have been put under respiratory, but majority of the time plague is a circulatory system issue. So plague, um, there, there are uh, three types. There's pneumonic plague, which is a respiratory disease, and we will talk about that later. Uh, that's when plague gets into the lungs. Uh, the uh, fatality rate on that is extremely high, and it, uh, it's, very, it's an acute illness. It progresses rapidly. Okay, now bubonic plague is the, the more standard plague that we hear about from the Middle Ages, uh, when uh, literally millions of people died from plague. In, in Europe. Uh, this is uh, transferred by a vector, uh, and so fleas carry it. Well, actually, the fleas don't carry it. Uh, they transmit it. It's usually carried by, by rats more often than not, but fleas are the, tr the organism that transfers it from one animal to another. Uh, and so the bacterium is injected. It gets into the lymph nodes. This causes a swel swelling of the lymph nodes. And these are referred to as buboes, which is, they're usually in the groin or in the uh, underarm, and that's where the name bubonic plague comes from, is from these swellings. Uh, so, uh, incubation uh, is about a week, fever, chills, headache, and so on. Uh, and then if it uh, moves on into the bloodstream beyond that, then it would become septicemic plague. Uh, this is the organism, Yersinia pestis that uh, causes plague. Uh, it's been around a long time. It's still around. We have cases of plague in the U.S. every year. Not very many, but they do occur. Uh, so mostly is primarily for bubonic plague is transferred uh, primarily by a, by a vector, either by direct contact with the rodent or by the flea. Uh, and you can see the, the swellings uh, that they're showing there. Well, it's obviously a, just a little drawing. Now, the mnemonic part is normally airborne. I'm trying to, uh, so that's usually an airborne. <coughs> okay, that's what a bubo looks like. That's a lymph node, a swollen lymph node. Okay. So, Yersinia pestis. Uh, now, there uh, is a vaccine available. Uh, Usually, they approach it by uh, a, a tree, trying to uh, restrict fleas, you know, to get rid of the fleas. Uh, it, uh, but there is a, a vaccine available. Anybody who's been in the military has been vaccinated for plague. It's one of the standards that everybody gets. They call it the blind plague, but it's the same stuff. Okay. Now, uh, there, are, there are antibiotics to treat it. Um, and like I said, uh, there are cases of the plague every year in the United States. They're mostly in the Four Corners region of the U.S. in the Southwest. Very dry environments. There are uh, rodents there that carry fleas. The rodents die. People get into the area. The fleas, if they're still alive, will jump on the first warm thing that comes around. Which is the, the person, they bite the person, and then the person develops plague. And so there are a number of cases each year mostly out in that area of the country. Uh, they're, not, they're not around here. What is the fatality rate? Uh, with treatment for regular bubonic plague, uh, let me see, if they, they don't give me one specifically here. Uh, the early treatment of bubonic plague, the fatality rate is not high. Because uh, we have the ability to treat the fatality rate for uh, pneumonic plague is very high, regardless of treatment, up in the 80s, 90s. Uh, and it's in part because it goes so fast. Well, no, the symptoms of pneumonic plague, uh, we'll talk about that under the respiratory system some, uh, but they're going to be, uh, it's, it's uh, like pneumonia, it's going to be difficulty breathing, high fever, difficulty breathing, and basically the lungs are, are impacted directly, and usually people die, more often than not people will die, and fairly quickly, within days. Uh, again, massive antibiotics, that's our, that's, that's all we have. 
try to try to stop it. I, I would say that uh, there are still a few deaths in the southwest each year for people who well, they're out they're kind of out and away from everybody and they get ill and they figure out it's just you know they get a little bit of a fever and a cough and they figure that's just another you know cold or whatever and it, and then it, by the time they seek help it's too late. Uh, so that that can be a, a problem, but if it is uh, diagnosed and treated uh, early, uh, almost nobody would die from bubonic plague today. Oh, you mean that it's pneumonic? Yeah. Oh, definitely be coughing and difficulty breathing. The lungs are starting to fill up with fluid. Uh, and, and so basically, it's, uh, it's suffocation. Okay, so um, because it spreads through the bloodstream to the lymph nodes, it's generally put into this category. Like I said, we'll, we'll try and touch on the uh, uh, mnemonic portion later when we get into uh, respiratory. Uh, tularemia is another disease. It's called rabbit fever frequently. Uh, that's a kind of a common name. Um, it's on the uh, bioterrorism list. The, uh, it's transmitted by ticks. Uh, and uh, at least that's the most common. And then incubation period can be up to three weeks. Uh, and so it starts off with skin ulcers. Uh, lymph nodes, fever, chills, um, symptoms usually go away in one to four weeks. Uh, mortality rate ranges between 30 and 50 percent. This is not something most people are vaccinated against because it is not that common. But certain individuals who, uh, I think we'll, they'll mention that here later, who are working in environments where there's a high likelihood of contacting this, uh, there is a vaccine, I'm pretty sure there's a vaccine that can be used. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of attenuated for high-risk individuals. Uh, and, the, and most uh, usually people working outdoors, clearing brush, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. Because that's where you're going to come in contact with the ticks. And ticks are, well, ticks are always bad. Uh, there's been, haven't heard about it for about the last three or four years. Prior to that, there was uh, almost every summer there had been an, an outbreak of this on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, they never really determined what the source of it was, you know, what the reservoir was. I mean, it was ticks, but, you know, the ticks have to be picking it up from somewhere. And they really didn't know, I uh, haven't heard much about it now for a little while. But they had some, you know, not a huge number of cases. It was like four, five, six, seven. But, you know, that's still, that's an unusual. It's, it's not a common uh, uh, infection. <laughs> Yeah, there is no particular area where it's not, where you wouldn't find it, yes. So, biological vector, direct contact, and this is where the rabbit fever comes from. Uh, people who uh, are hunting rabbits would come in contact, as they clean the rabbit, would come in contact with the body fluids of infected rabbits, and, and, and they would, they would You, you would you would be able to tell. If you cooked it. Oh yeah, yeah. If you cooked it, it's okay. The, the problem is uh, the contact with the fluids as you're as you're processing it, and and if you were wearing gloves or something, uh, you know, it probably wouldn't be a problem. Okay. So the name of the organism is Francisella tularensis. Another tick-borne disease, Lyme. Now that's here, okay? uh, most definitely here. It's all up and down the East Coast in particular. It is a non-fatal disease as far, I mean, it's not something people die from, but it is, it can be a chronic disease. Uh, and so when it continues over time, if it's not gotten rid of, it'll start to get into neuromuscular disorders. Uh, so the early symptom is a rash at the side of the, of the tick bite, the bullseye rash. Now that's pretty exaggerated there, and many times you would, you, you would not see anything 
quite that uh, dramatic. Uh, but so the tick bite is right here in the middle, and then you get this circular uh, red rash around it. And uh, if you ever see something like that, you, go, you should go immediately to a physician because they'll put you on. Uh, uh, trying to remember, I think they use. Um, which one do they use? Just think about that for a minute. It's a. Uh, they'll put you, but they'll put you on an antibiotic immediately. Uh, there are those who believe that if you have a tick bite, you should be treated they call prophylactically with uh, antibiotics. Uh, and of course, that's counter to the whole issue with antibiotic resistance. So probably, so that you know, not, not, may not be the best thing, but there are people who, you know, any, any tick bite is a potential disease carrier. Okay. Tetracycline, I think, is what they normally put people on. It's either, yeah, tetracycline. I think that's the most common. Now, so it spreads. Um, this is the organism. Uh, it's a spirochete. Uh, it, the problem with it is it moves through the body uh, from one tissue to another tissue to another tissue, uh, and that's why the treat, early treatment is really important. Um, so it uh, basically is most often found uh, around deer, uh, and so the ticks off, drop off the, the deer, they lay their eggs, uh, the larvae get into mice, rats, small animals, uh, and then eventually you get into the, the larger uh, adult form of the uh, tick, which would normally then attach to deer or to coyotes or dogs. Uh, and humans are, are not the normal uh, host for this, but we are susceptible to it. Okay? Uh, and actually, it's almost more dangerous when the ticks are very tiny. But they refer to as sea ticks, usually. Uh, they're barely visible when they bite you. I mean, almost, you almost can't see them on your skin. They're so tiny. It's a very early, just adds to And they can already be carrying it. They, it appears that uh, the female transfers the, uh, the or disease organism through the egg. So they're, you know, ticks are, are a real problem with this. Uh, oops. So, Borrelia burgdorferi is the name of the organism. Uh, there is an ELISA test for it. Prevention is avoiding ticks. Okay, oh, I'm sorry, doxycycline. That's what they get for doxycycline. Uh, well, that's a relative of tetracycline. So. Uh, but doxycycline is the standard treatment, usually three, or three to four weeks. Uh, penicillin can be used sometimes, but doxycycline is the most common uh, treatment. Now, uh, it's really important to, to uh, it's difficult to diagnose the problem. Because if somebody contracts this, they don't pick up right away that it's Lyme disease. But what will happen, it'll be a, 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 the symptoms will move from place to place in the body. And after, you know, when you start seeing that sort of thing, it makes it very difficult to diagnose. Because you, somebody presents with one set of signs, symptoms, one time. The next time they come in, it's a whole different set. And, and unless you're looking specifically for something like this, like they tell you, yeah, I was bitten by a tick, okay, that would, that'll be, that should light up light bulbs, that would be checked for this. Um, now, there, as I said, there is a test for it. The test is thought to be not the most accurate, okay? Uh, in fact, uh, I had one doctor tell me that the, uh, the test was so inaccurate it wasn't even worth doing here, just take the antibiotics. People that have different positions are going to have different approaches to that. No vaccine. So the thing is, you stay away from ticks. Well, you live in Virginia. That's not happening. Okay? I mean, ticks are part of the landscape here. Uh, and not just here. In lots of other places. Okay, so that's Lyme disease. Borrelia burgdorferi. Biological vector ticks. Okay. All right. Uh, and next is uh, something that some of you may have had, infectious mononucleosis, caused by the Epstein-Barr virus. Uh, majority, occasionally by this other virus, the cytomegalovirus. Uh, but basically it's sore throat, uh, a little bit of a fever, uh, usually have an enlarged spleen. Um, 
incubation period is long. Uh, it's really not very serious for most people. I mean, uh, usually uh, people are fatigued, uh, white blood cell count changes, and the, uh, since it's caused by a virus, the, the standard treatment is go home and rest. Uh, you know, usually uh, kids in school are told to stay out of school for a week or so, stay home, stay, you know, rest, get a lot of rest, eat reasonably, uh, and then it gradually goes away. Um, that usually they, to, they do not allow any contact sports because the enlarged spleen is subject to rupture more easily. So no, no, no gym, no contact type of sports during that time. And it's not uncommon among uh, kids in high school, junior high and high school. Uh, anybody here have mono? Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, it's not, an, it's not an unusual sort of thing to have. But it does take a while to get over it. To, be, to feel like you got your energy back. It takes a while. So do you like always become a caregiver you once you get it? Well, maybe. Uh, I, I don't think that the transmission, let me see what it's, they have here. Sign bar, do they talk about transmission? Yeah, you could be, uh, but uh, the chances are that your body would eventually get rid of it, uh, but you could, yes, you could pass it on. Okay, so this is uh, what some of the, the white blood cells look like from during this. You can see the, the virus in the, in the blood. Uh, sometimes you get this kind of presentation in the throat area, this whitish grayish. Uh, material in the throat. So uh, usually, but see, it, it can also be indirect. Uh, it's latent, so it can incorporate into the DNA. Diagnosis, differential blood count, there is an, at least a test for it. The treatment is supportive, there is no prevention. There's no, there's no way at this point to prevent it. Um, this uh, variety over here. Uh, is uh, there is a vaccine in trials for this one. It's uh, generally it's not treated other than for immune suppressed individuals and this is more common in adults. Now it is dangerous to the fetus. This one is most common in teenage years. Uh, probably everybody, well, I don't know if everybody, but most people in this room if we were that MLA's test was done for this, probably have antibodies, probably been exposed. You're exposed to all kinds of stuff. Most of the time, you don't you don't get sick. Okay, and then everybody's favorite category: the hemorrhagic viruses. Uh, there are four groups of them. A lot of them. Uh, we'll look at them uh, one. Let's look at some of the individuals. I'm not concerned that you know which of these groups that they're in. You know, whether it's a filoverity or a glomerularity or whatever. That's not really. Uh, but yellow fever is one of the uh, common uh, ones. Uh, yellow fever um, is still, I, I still see things on uh, ProMed Mail about people getting yellow fever in third world areas. Uh, it's mosquito transmitted. Uh, this is what uh, prevented the French from building the Panama Canal. Uh, it was the number of deaths from yellow fever. And this is what had to be solved at least to some degree before the canal could even built as a Walter Reed. That's what he's, one of the things he's known for. That's why the hospital in D.C. is named for him. And he's, he's, he's a local guy. Uh, he uh, grew up over in Gloucester, uh, Gloucester County, I believe. Uh, so, uh, so it starts off uh, fever, headache, it disrupts blood clotting, hence hemorrhagic. Okay? So you get oral hemorrhaging, nosebleed, vomiting, liver and kidney damage. Yeah. No, he came up with the idea to treat, uh, to get rid of the mosquitoes. Uh, or, I mean, of course you never get rid of all the mosquitoes, but you can keep it down to the point that, that the number of cases were much fewer. That's really what he accomplished. Um, just, just to look at the, uh, the virus in, in the body. Um, and so here's where it's generally found. It's primarily a tropical disease. Uh, again, not up here in North America. It's not something we, we have to deal with. 
but certainly, and really not even into the Caribbean, it's mostly in uh, South America, Africa. Those are the primary locations. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to a chart, uh, we'll have a chart of it here after we get through several of these hemorrhagic uh, viruses. So, but it is virus, it makes the capillaries fragile, which is part of what then leads then to the, the hemorrhaging. Dengue fever. Uh, boy, dengue fever is all over the uh, Caribbean and, uh, and down into South, you know, Central South America. Mosquito tr transmitted. Mosquitoes are never friends. Okay. Um, normally, it is relatively mild, but it can go into a much more serious form. It is also referred to by some people as breakbone fever because the pain in the joints is so bad. It's like, like you have broken bones. Okay. Uh, so it's more, uh, number of deaths from this are not overly high, uh, but it's uh, more of a, a matter of it's a miserable thing to have. Okay, it does go away. Uh, and again, this is, uh, the yellow areas are where it was common prior to 1960. The red areas are where it has spread to since that time. And if it's up into this part of Mexico, it's probably into the southern part of the United States by now. I do believe there have been cases, uh, native cases in Florida, where the individual has not traveled anywhere, comes down with dengue fever. So southern Florida is now starting to see that. Yes? So why is it spread so much the The mosquito spread. Oh, yeah. Good answer to that, um, but it has been uh, quite a, a problem. Now, the serious part of this, the, the normal what most people get is not overly serious; it's just miserable. Uh, but it can progress into a hemorrhagic form, which is then uh, much more serious. Uh, now, relatives of those two are Ebola and Marburg viruses. Okay, There's, these two have very similar symptoms. Uh, basically, hemorrhagic events. Uh, capillaries are fragile, disrupt clotting. People bleed everywhere internally and, until they die. Uh, there sometimes is a rash early, but there is no, uh, there really is not many, any treatment at this point. Uh, the only treatment that's been suggested is not, they're, they're really careful with this, is to take antibodies from somebody who has survived it and give it to somebody who's come down with it. Uh, but anytime you start taking things, bloodborne things, and transferring to somebody else, you always run the risk of transferring other things besides just the antibodies. Okay, you know, uh, and so that, that's not a a course of treatment that is highly recommended. But in some cases, it seems to be the only one that's available. Uh, this is what uh, Ebola looks like. Kind of a strange little curly cue uh, virus. Uh, and again, these, you know, we've had, we've talked about Ebola, and, and, uh, and uh, of course in Africa, you couldn't miss it this past summer. I mean, it was all over the news over last summer, and uh, quite serious. Uh, the fatality rate, however, for Ebola varies considerably depending on the particular strain. Uh, some of the early outbreaks had fatality rates as high as 95%. The later outbreaks seem to be having a lower down in the uh, high 60s, low 70s. That's a considerable, I mean, it's still high, but it's a considerable improvement. Well, and we don't know why that is, whether, uh, you, well, one of the problems for a parasite like this, if you kill your host fast enough, your chances of spreading to another host are, are decreased considerably. It is spread only by direct contact with uh, body fluids. And so, you know, if that host, if you infect somebody and, and they're out in the, in the, away from the village and they have a rapid progression of disease and they die out there, well, then the virus goes nowhere, okay? And so it may be that the virus is, is there's more than one strain of it, and some of those strains may be less virulent, okay? At least we can hope. There's still been... I think it was just two weeks ago, there were a couple more cases again over in Africa. I don't, know, I don't remember which country right off the top of my head. 
Uh, so it's really not gone yet. Okay, loss of fever is another hemorrhagic fever, um, but not for most people. Uh, most people have no symptoms at all to this, uh, but those who do, chest pain, hemorrhaging, sore throat, back pain, and so on, uh, often causes deafness in people who, who recover. And so these are the, the these four hemorrhagic fevers. Uh, all of these are viruses. These two are biological vectors. These are direct contact. Uh, all disrupt clotting factors. All can be tested for. Now, yellow fever has a vaccine. Dengue, there's a vaccine being tested. It is not on the market yet, but they're getting close. There are no vaccines for the other two over here. Treatment is uh, supportive, basically. Um, and uh, some of the distinctive features, but uh, they're hemorrhagic, that's their major feature. And uh, clearly they're here to stay with us. Now, this is a fever disease, this one. So those are hemorrhagic fevers. This is uh, now non-hemorrhagic fevers, okay? Uh, Brucellosis is one you may or may not have heard of. It's another one on the CDC list of bioterror agents. Uh, bacteria is into the phagocytic cells. You get lesions in the liver, the spleen, the kidney, and you get a pattern of chills and sweating and chills and sweating, headache, pain. Um, the, uh, it's more of a disabling disease than it is uh, often fatal. Hence, it makes a wonderful bioterror agent, which is what you want to do. Is you don't necessarily want to kill everybody. You just want to disable them. They can't do anything. Okay, Q fever. Uh, Q fever is um, most commonly transmitted uh, through milk. Coxiella is the organism. This is the organism that milk is pasteurized to get to eliminate. Uh, on, again, fever. No hemorrhaging, a rash, occasionally uh, hepatitis or, or a, a pneumonia with it. Much, you know, much uh, less serious uh, cat scratch disease. I don't know if anybody has ever heard of that. Uh, some people get this uh, after being scratched, and they get a little, bunch of little capsules around where they were scratched. Uh, the lymph nodes can swell. Um, some patients have a high fever, most people, it just goes away. But it's a non-hemorrhagic type of fever. Here's an example of the swollen uh, lymph nodes from that. That's a particularly dangerous area too because the, uh, the bone back in that area is fairly porous and there's always concern that the organism can get into the, the cranial cavity. Uh, trench fever. This comes back from mostly from World War One. Uh, variable symptoms: it's just fever, light pains, uh, headache, chills. You get a rash. Endocarditis can be a, an offshoot of this. Um, and then these are two more that are not worth. Our, don't even worry about these two. Uh, this one you should worry about: Rocky Mountain spotted fever because it is endemic here. Uh, it, uh, you get. Uh, Fever, chills, headache, you get a very distinctive rash, hence the name, spotted fever. Um, you get enlarged lesions. Uh, sometimes you, you know, people can die from this. You go into a coma, people can die. Uh, so it needs to be treated, it needs to be identified, it needs to be treated. Uh, now, here are where the most cases are, and this was a, a, uh, this has been about five years ago, yeah, about that. Um, and you can see that. Uh, well, we're right up close to that, okay? Now, uh, North Carolina, Tennessee, this is the area where they see the most cases. Uh, we have a fairly large number of cases in Virginia as well. Uh, it's tick-borne, uh, and we got ticks, so. This is what the, uh, the rash looks like. Non-hemorrhagics. 
Okay, now the two more are Ehrlichia and Anaplasma. I'm, I, these, uh, these will not be on the exam, so I, I don't worry about them. Um, but basically, the symptoms are similar to Rocky Mountain spotted fever, but no rash. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's say uh, tick transmitted. Uh, basically, people are given antimicrobials. Uh, th these are not uh, rickettsias; are not viruses. Rickettsias are bacteria, so they do respond to antibiotic treatment. Um, and so this is where the the areas that are in purple and blue have alleviosis. The areas in orange and blue have anaplasmosis. So we don't have that in this area, or lechiosis, we do have. I had a friend who got it here, the tick bite. Again, you know, treated for it, and it was not long-lasting, recovered quickly. But it is something to be concerned about with ticks. So the ticks here, there are really three things that they, they often carry, lechiosis, uh, Lyme disease, and then Rocky Mountain spot fever. Now, this is uh, all the organisms. So this is brucellosis here. Uh, there is uh, doxycycline as the treatment. Uh, the primary way, this usually uh, comes through, uh, through cows more often than not. And so pasteurization of milk and, and uh, health of, of animals is primarily how it's prevented. Uh, it's called undulating fever, and undulating fever means fever, then chills, and then fever, and then chills, and then fever, yeah, undulating back and forth between. Uh, Q fever, Coxiella brunetti, it, it, it forms something like an endospore. Um, there is a vaccine available for high risk. These are usually people who work around leather and are, are around milk. Uh, very, again, easily treated with doxycycline. You'll see that. Most of these are doxycycline, except for the uh, cat scratch. Uh, used to be an airborne route. Uh, Coxiella brunetti. Okay, cat scratch is Bartonella, and um, releases an endotoxin. Clean the wound, administer the, the treatment. Uh, often no fever, and then these we will just well these two we should mention here. Lichiosis. These are relatively seasonal only because the ticks are not active in the you know, may have cold weather. Uh, and hopefully you get a long enough cold spell that you kill many of the ticks. I don't know that we had much of that this year. We had a pretty mild winter. So that's never good. Uh, you'll notice that none of these have uh, vaccines except for Q has a vaccine. But none of the rest of these do. Now, rickettsias are um, very tiny bacteria. They live inside of uh, other cells. They, they don't live outside of them. They uh, can only survive and reproduce inside of, of cells. So they're very tiny, and they're, they're a problem to get rid of, but then the antibiotic does work. And then if you want uh, the uh, disease that uh, probably is causing almost more problem than anything else today and has for many, many years, and that's malaria. Um, it's a protozoan disease, a couple week incubation. And so the first symptoms, you feel miserable. You feel kind of eh, and tired, and you get some aches, and then you will go into alternating chills and fevers, which have to do with when the organism is breaking out of your red blood cells, because that's where they, that's where part of their life cycle goes on. Uh, symptoms usually occur at very regular, either 48 or 72 hours, and which one of those it is is somewhat diagnostic as to which species of malaria you have. There are four basic uh, species of malarial parasite. Uh, and so part of the, the pattern that they're following helps to identify which one you're dealing now, they're all in this group called plasmodium. Uh, there are a number of genetic traits that have developed that increase resistance to malaria. Uh, sickle cell increases resistance in areas where malaria is endemic because the sickle cells do not lend themselves to a place for the organism to reproduce. 
And so those individuals have less, you know, they, they don't die from sickle cell because they, they still have usually about 60% normal red blood cells. But the 40% of their abnormal red blood cells helps protect them against uh, uh, malaria. It's thought that that's why the, the, uh, or the, that trait persists in populations where there's malaria. Now, of course, when people from those areas move somewhere where there's no malaria, well, then it has no adaptive value at all anymore. Uh, there used to be malaria here. Uh, if you read about you know, the, you know, the original colonists, they did get malaria here. Used to have malaria from Houston all the way up to Philadelphia, in the eastern part of the United States. Uh, it's been largely eliminated, mostly by mosquito uh, treatment to get rid of them, you know, take care of the, of the uh, mosquitoes. So the symptoms we kind of mentioned, they are associated with erythrocyte lysis. I'll show you their, uh, uh, that, that in just a minute. And one of them in particular causes a disease called blackwater fever, which uh, if it can be fatal very, very quickly. Okay. So um, these are, now this is data is, is dated at this point. Uh, the numbers are now higher. Uh, and uh, of course, for all practical purposes, northern and very far southern areas are relatively malaria free. The red areas are, and orange are the most, where the malaria is most common. Um, and those areas, like some of the yellow, really should include some of the Caribbean islands now as well. Because as we have warmer temperatures, some of the mosquitoes are spreading into areas where they were so many of them before. Now, basically, uh, we'll just start, where's number one on here? All right. So a mosquito bites you and injects these, what are called sporozytes, into you, into your blood. They move into your liver. And inside your liver, they uh, go through what's called schizogeny. If you go into parasitic, basically it means they divide into lots of other cells. And then the, the, these liver, that liver cell, not the whole liver, that liver cell will rupture, releasing these back into the blood. These, uh, what are called merozoites, then go into the red blood cells. And they uh, go through cycles of reproduction in the red blood cells. And this is what causes the, the fever and chills on a regular time basis. It's to do with their cycle in the red blood cells. Now, uh, some of these develop into what are called gametocytes. Mosquito bites you, uh, picks up some of these in the blood. These uh, go into the uh, intestine of the mosquito, where they come together and uh, they have fertilization. And then they uh, will form a cyst, and these will then move out of the stomach area and migrate to the salivary glands of the mosquito, and then when it bites somebody, you know, it gets passed on to another person. The uh, problem with, uh, this, well, well, there's a number of problems with this. Mosquitoes are tough to, it's tough to get rid of mosquitoes. I mean, they're really, really much hardier than they were, okay? Uh, and, you know, they can reproduce all they need is a little bit of stagnant water for a matter of a few days and they can reproduce. So it's really, really difficult to get rid of them. Uh, there is thought to be a behavioral pattern that's involved in this as well, why it's coming increasing. Well, there is another reason, and that is the uh, general feeling that DDT ought not to be used as a pesticide. It was very effective against malarial mosquitoes. Uh, but it has some pretty bad environmental consequences. So it's not being used as much as it was. Some others are being used that are not quite as good. Uh, they're better for the environment, not so great for the people who live in the area. Uh, there's also behavioral change in the area, in many of these areas. Back before, uh, there was no electricity, no, no running water, things like that. Uh, when the sun went down, people went indoors and they went what else was there to do? You know, went indoors. Now many of these villages have lights, have electricity, they have lights. When the sun goes down, people don't go inside right away, they stay outside, and that's the time period when the mosquito is very active. Okay. So the uh, approaches today, they are working on a, uh, a vaccine. Very difficult to do, they have not been successful yet. The other approach is mosquito nets. 
But mosquito nets need to be deployed properly or they don't do any good. The, the net does not prevent them from biting through the net itself. The net has to stay far enough away from your body that they can't get at you. And you know, that, so, and, and so one of the things that's being done, or has been done, is to is giving out mosquito nets in many places, but people don't always really know how to use them. Uh, they, in some areas, they found that they were using them as fishing nets. <laughs> Made sense to them, okay? Um, and so uh, it, that has limited, uh, uh, really pretty limited success, yeah. <laughs> get a vaccine, uh, then we won't have to worry about that kind of stuff anymore. But right now, that's not really, that's not an option. Uh, malaria is also found in birds. That usually, humans and birds have a different form of malaria. Now, the reason I bring that up is, well, imported birds from the tropics are an issue. That's why they're supposed to be quarantined, uh, so they can make sure they don't carry that. There was just recently... Uh, the last week, a dead loon in Maine was autopsied because that's kind of their state symbol. Uh, they autopsied it, and it turned out that it had uh, uh, malaria. Never before been seen in Maine. So we don't know how it got there. It's just, now, loons do migrate, so maybe they picked it up uh, while migrating. Don't do not know. That was a real surprise to everybody. Okay, so these are red blood cells. You can see the trophozoites inside of them. Uh, we look, I think we looked at some cells in the lab. Uh, you would have seen the little specks inside the red blood cells. Um, so these are the four. There's falciparum, bivax, oval, and malaria. Um, multiple stages. Um, no vaccine yet available. Now, there is treatment here. And all these... These treatments do are successful. They will rid you of the malarial parasite, but they provide no immunity. This is a protease, this is not a bacterium. You can get rid of the protease, but you do not become immune to it, so you can be reinfected. Okay, what's uh, the time? Oh, okay. Anthrax. Bacillus anthracis, now, so being a bacillus, it forms endospores. It's mostly a soil bacterium, forms spores in the soil. Three basic ways that people seem to acquire this. Uh, gastrointestinal, which is basically from eating something that has it in it. That's rare in humans, okay? Probably more common in cattle, uh, eating grass, and there's a spore on the grass, and that, but very rare in humans. There's cutaneous... Uh, anthrax. And this is when I think we looked under the, uh, we talked about this with the skin, the diseases of the skin. We got the black sore on, on the skin. Um, if untreated, uh, the fatality rate's about 20% from that. If treated, the uh, fatality rate is almost zero. Okay. Now, inhalation anthrax. This is very rare in humans because you have to inhale airborne endospores. as a very high mortality rate. Uh, and has always been a concern for as a bioterror weapon. Uh, so we have high fatality. Problem is the spores are very difficult to aerosolize so that they stay. The problem is they fall out of the air quickly, and so very few people would actually inhale them. And that's been one of the problems. Well, I mean, depending on what your job is, that, that's a problem. It's a good thing for us. Okay, so bacillus anthracis, 
they're long uh, bacilli. Uh, this is what the cutaneous form looks like. This is most common uh, with people who work uh, with leather. Uh, cattle uh, do come up with anthrax periodically, and people who work with leather are more likely to pick this up than the average individual. Uh, so, um, contact animal hides. Uh, that's one of the things through food. It secretes a, a, an exotoxin, so it actively secretes a toxin. Uh, it can be cultured. Uh, there is a vaccine for high-risk populations. Uh, that was a big issue, I don't know, what, about 10 years ago with the military. They, they forced military to get uh, anthrax vaccinations. Some people were quite against that. Uh, there were some side effects from it. Uh, I don't think anybody died from the vaccination. That, that was uh, an issue. So there is one. And treatment is uh, doxycycline again. That shows up a lot in, in these kind of Okay, then there's HIV. You all know probably more than you want to know about HIV already, I'm guessing. Um, now, the, uh, the disease is AIDS. The organism is HIV. Uh, there's a huge range of uh, seriousness of this disorder. Uh, but basically, it all comes down to the mostly the level of T cells in the blood, and in particular helper T cells. That's, that's what declines. So the uh, initial infection is usually not, uh, you know, kind of like having mono, and it goes away very quickly. Uh, a lot of the helper T cells are destroyed, but your body starts trying to replace them as fast as it can. And so you may be asymptomatic, even with no treatment, no anything, for you know, somewhere, anywhere between two and 15 years depending on the particular strain that you picked up and, and your general health during that time. Now, during that time, the number of T cells slowly declines or more rapidly declines depending on the individual. And once the number uh, gets low enough, then the person is said to have AIDS because now their immune system is, is relatively ineffective against other diseases, okay? So, um, Usually, uh, people die from what we would consider to be opportunistic infections, things that uh, you're exposed to every day and you don't ever get, but their immune system is no longer functioning. Uh, hormone balances can get, imbalances can occur. Uh, people lose a lot of weight, tired, sore throat, uh, occasionally uh, lesions in the brain. Uh, now, AIDS then is, uh, is a syndrome because it's a whole series of, of effects. Uh, but it's uh, basically a, uh, it comes along with HIV. Uh, uh, and uh, there are two major types. There's HIV-1 in prevalent U.S., two in West Africa. And there are probably more than just those two strains. This is one of the, the treatment issues, okay? Uh, these are some of the opportunistic infections that people get. Uh, so everything from tuberculosis to uh, 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 herpes virus to cytomegalovirus, lymphomas, Epstein-Barr. Okay. There's a whole range of things that can be opportunistic. Okay, so it's a retrovirus. Okay, so what's the problem with that? A retrovirus means that it has an RNA uh, genetic code. When it enters the cell, let's see if they have a, I don't know if they'll have a diagram for that. Um, but when it enters the cell, the first thing that happens is a, an enzyme that they carry in the virus called reverse transcriptase takes that RNA and immediately converts it into DNA. And then that DNA can integrate into the host chromosome. Now once it does that, the immune system is, is lost because DNA is DNA. It's all A's, T's, C's, G's. Now, how do you know what's, what's what? Um, and so it, it's not really going to find it. Its primary target <coughs> is the helper T cell and macrophages. There are some other cells, but this is the one that really uh, is it wears down. Now, 
another problem with it. So it can hide out for a while inside a cell. Can't find it. And then at a later date, it can become active again. It's also, like many of these viruses, really, really sloppy at doing transcription and translation. Makes lots of errors in its proteins that for the outer coating. Many of them are non-functional. Um, but the result of that is that the outer proteins change regularly. So when your system, because your system does respond to HIV, it makes antibodies, you, you know, it does all the things it's supposed to do, and then it shifts, call that antidemic shift. All of a sudden, it's a brand new antigen, and the system has to start all over from scratch. And then it shifts again, and that keeps happening over and over. Very effective uh, process for the, uh, for the virus. But mostly because it's just darn, darn sloppy at doing its job. Works to its advantage. Uh, okay, so we went through this, the reverse transcriptase, the viral integrase inserts the virus into a human chromosome. It's passed on as that cell, if that cell divides, then, then it's passed on to other cells. They can remain dormant for years. Uh, this is what the virus itself looks like. Uh, here are three things that they're looking at. One, the amount of actual virus in the blood over time, uh, the, the helper's T-cell count, which is in green, and the actual antibodies being produced against HIV. And so obviously at the beginning, helper T-cell numbers are high because they normally are. Viral load goes very high. T-cell count starts going down because they're being killed. The antibodies start to go up. A lot of the HIV is being removed. HIV drops. Okay. Uh, helper T-cells start to climb back up again. Uh, antibodies climb. Now, this is over the first few weeks. Now, over a long time period of years, Antibodies begin to slowly decline. The virus stays relatively level for this during this time. And the helper T cells begin to decline. Okay? When they go below uh, 200, I believe it's to count 200 is the count number, uh, at that point, the person is determined to have AIDS. And of course, at this point, the virus rockets on up because there's nothing stopping it. Still working on a vaccine. How do you make a vaccine against something that keeps changing? That's the, that's the, the, the problem. Okay, so again, some of the virus coming out of the cell. These are just some of the diseases associated with it. <coughs> and this is uh, the distribution. You'll notice the United States is not overly high in terms compared to many other countries. Uh, Africa has the worst incidence, uh, and the Soviet Union, well, whatever they're calling themselves today, Russia, is more appropriate. Uh, they, there's a high number there, and in fact, it's, that's a real problem. So Canada has lower, has lower numbers yet than us. Much of South America is relatively low, Australia is low. And some places we don't know. We just have no idea. No data is available. Uh, collecting data like this is not something that's done everywhere in the world. Okay. So, uh, now this is back in 2010, so this has all changed uh, most likely, but this just gives you an idea of um, the number of cases diagnosed and what transmission category. You'll notice a lot of male-to-male -male contact, but heterosexual as well. I mean, there's, that doesn't, the virus doesn't care. And so there's the immunodeficiency virus. Uh, again, you can screen for antibodies, uh, which will tell you that you've got antibodies started. That means that's when we say you're HIV positive. Uh, and then prevention is avoiding contact with uh, body fluids from somebody who has it. That's about it. That's all you can do. Bunch of treatments. Um, there is a, uh, I think it was AZT was the first uh, 
of the uh, treatments. Uh, AZT is a uh, inhibits reverse transcriptase. It makes it more difficult for the virus to convert their RNA into DNA. Uh, the protease inhibitors, when the virus reproduces, it makes long protein chains that then have to be cut at the proper points in order to make the shell that they have the <coughs> covering, protein covering. Uh, the proteases break down the proteins and prevent them from being able to, to do that as effectively. Uh, and then there are a couple of newer inhibitors. And so generally people are given uh, a mix of drugs and they may actually rotate some of them, take some for a while and then switch to something else and then switch again as much as they can. Uh, life has been extended for quite a long time for most people who have AIDS anymore. Uh, 20 years is not an unreasonable time period for somebody to live with anymore. That used to be unusual. Doesn't make it any easier. Uh, this, uh, we'll skip the, the uh, this is T-cell leukemia. Uh, there's a whole lot of, uh, leukemia in general simply means that you have an excess of white blood cells. I mean, that's what leukemia is all about. There are a couple of them that uh, are, are thought to be viral, and, and these are the general symptoms. Bruise easily, bleed easily, pale, fatigue. Uh, and these are what the membranes of these, some of these white blood cells look like, and that's where the name pericell leukemia comes from, this particular variety. Cells look really abnormal. Uh, Transmission is unclear. Uh, no prevent. If you don't know how you're getting it, how can you prevent it? And there are some drugs that, that work. And that is the cardiovascular system. Okay. Um, so should we take a look and see what else we need to be looking at here? I don't know if we can. Start. 